Welcome to this Sunday morning's message podcast from Kingdom Faith. God is good. Don't sit down. You can see, no, don't sit down. Before I start, you know, I was really burdened on the front row that, you know, services belong to Jesus. We have our plans, don't we? The plans we're going to do in his name. Some are good, some aren't. But I'd like to pray for some friends this morning. I kept hearing the word bones, problem with bones, bones, not so much the back situation, but a diagnosis of a problem with bone, the bone, osteo, whatever. If you, if that's you, there's a special touch of God coming right here. And I'd I'd like to pray for you right there. Bones. And I'm leaning on this side. I don't know why, but I'd like to pray for you. I just was in, in a service with a bunch of wonderful Russian people. And I said, God's healing someone with their back. I could see it. And uh, nobody came down. Except there was an older man over here. He just wouldn't sit down. He's just weeping. His wife's trying to get him to sit down. Service goes forward. He's just stuck. After the service, he finally comes up weeping. My back is completely whole. Nobody touched him. It's Jesus heals. You know, these services belong to Jesus. Bones. If you have a situation with your bones, I want you to just come right here. Just right here. Jesus loves you. You came to church to be with Jesus, not, not to sit through a service, right? Bones. Bones. Just someone help them just line up the spot for bones. Bones. And let me just tell you something about this. The power of God's coming on you right now. It's not so much what I'm going to. I'm the ugly nurse in the office. That's all I am. That's all I am, the ugly nurse. I'm just going to take your blood pressure, tell you to eat better. Just a, but when the doctor comes, he's got big, strong hands. He's got your chart. See, there's anointing coming right there. Just raise your hands. Don't even think about me. Bones. It was something about bones. Bones. Right there. Right there it is. Right there. Jesus loves you. Right there. Watch this man right over here. Watch him. I need ushers to uh, make sure you're standing behind some people. I really don't like it when people fall. Sometimes they do. Uh, But they don't have to fall. I'm going to come from this side over here. And I'm going to work down this way, ushers. So if you would just be so kind to help me. I'm just going to lay my hands on you. But I have to tell you, my hands don't do it. Uh, Jesus is touching you right now. Right now. It's his church. I mean, you're just saying for like a half an hour how worthy and lovely he is. And he says, well, I'd like to step in there and help some people. <laughs> so many churches, they, they talk to him the whole time and then they ignore him. That's not what he wants. He likes to be with you. You know he likes to be with you. <laughs> some of you need a smile. He's like, you worshiped your smile away. <laughs> it's right down here. Right, stand right behind Charles over here because the power of God is right there. Right there, Charles. Take it. Right there, starting with you. Right there. Just take it. Right there. It's just mounting down on you. It's just coming. Right there it is, Charles. Right there it is, Charles. Charles, you don't even need hands laid on you. Thank you. Thank you. Just <clears throat> Jesus' name. Oh, right there, lady. Right there. Strong bones, strong bones, strong bones. Uh, ushers, if there's someone standing for healing, 
Who's my ushers? I just need to know who ushers are. You're an usher? Are you a healer? A heal- I need healing? Okay. M- move him. Move him just down here by Charles. Okay. We're going to work together. We're family. Amen? Okay. Are you helping me? Good. Right there it is. Right there it is. Right, ooh, right there. Ooh. Mm, right there. 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 Just take it. That's okay. Ooh, just receive. Don't pray. Just receive. Don't pray. Don't talk to him. Just receive. Right there. Oh, my good friends from life. Thank you, Chief. shall be broke not one you say what's the scripture for this Jesus had an anointing on his bones not one was broken and the devil tried to do it you know the devil doesn't like prophetic words he tried to break one Jesus was beaten so badly for our healing for our touch for our touch just receive just I just need you to receive 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 it. It's not what you can just sit and get a feeling. It's not about it. You receive it. You take it. You take it. You don't just get a feeling. Some people come up and they just sit there and want Jesus to do it all. He wants to work with you. My good buddy, Charles. That's a big one. Don't follow me, Charles. You're big. <laughs> How you doing, Charles? I'm doing well. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Father, touch my friend Charles. Yes, yes thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Strong bones. Yes. Strong bones. Strong bones. Amen. Now listen, look at me. Look at me. You walked up. Now it's beginning. You take the word of God. I just quoted one. Not one bone shall be broken. That's a bone scripture. And now you take it and you start to speak it with authority. God gave you authority. Not the ugly nurse. Well, I do have some authority. I do. But now you've got to do it. Walk away from here. I got it. Devil, you're not going to touch my bones anymore. They belong to Jesus. They're full of life and blood. Blood is life. Amen. Now I want you to go back and sit down and enjoy. Enjoy the service. I missed. I'm sorry. Right behind you. In Jesus' name, we believe for the impossible. We believe for the impossible. 
Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now, while you sit and receive this morning, I'm going to preach to you a little bit. I've been known to preach a little bit. I'm so glad to be with you. <laughs> I love you. Amen. You know, when you call people up to pray for them, doesn't mean that Jesus isn't touching people where you are. It's his church. If you open up and you're hungry, he come right over to where you are and you're like, ooh, Lord. <laughs> he says, I've been wanting to talk to you all week. You haven't been listening. <laughs> Did the Lord ever do that to you? He's done it to me. You've been focused on other things. Did I miss anyone? Did I miss you? Who, did, who was the man down there? I said, move over, and I think I missed him. Come down. <laughs> Clive said we can go to two today, so don't worry about time. He, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. Raise your hands. You know Jesus loves you. He really does. Father, touch my friend. Lord, I've answered. I did what you... Jesus, 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 hold him up. Don't let him fall. Jesus, I release that into him, into his bones right now, into the system, into the system right now. Corrections where there needs to be. Jesus name, Jesus name, Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Don't have to fall to get your healing. Amen? Unless you like to fall, man, you go for it. <laughs> that floor is hard. <laughs> Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Amen. What are we supposed to do this morning? I want to show you a video. To help you kind of understand more about what I do. I've been a part of you. I've been a part of your family for almost 18 years now. This weekend, the third and the fourth, are my 20-year anniversary to the continent of Britain. Because you're not in Brexit anymore, so you're your own continent over here of Great Britain. And... Um, but I came 20 years ago on the 3rd, put my family on an airplane, and we flew to Britain. I didn't have a cross. I didn't have seed. didn't have tracks. I had a lot of knowledge about how Christianity works in America, but Jesus didn't need that over here for me. He had to get me to a place and strip me down and give me something new. And, um, and I remember through the process of it, I said, why did you choose me? He said, I asked two other people to do it. And they didn't. He said, I knew you wouldn't say no. And I've given you extra grace to do it. 20 years ago, we came to Britain. And uh, so, when I came here, um, I thought my ministry would be one thing. It doesn't matter. Jesus had a different idea. It's all about him anyways, isn't it? really is you know so many times we want to do things for him and he's like guys listen you're going to enjoy it more if you do it with me yeah. 
Christianity is not about you. It's about you and him. Amen? If it's all about you, you get bored. Then you do something else. And that's really bad. But when Jesus is alive to you and you know him and you, you, you're using your faith to just follow him, then life is, is good. You flourish. Even when you think you're not flourishing, you're still flourishing. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I want to show you a video. They have it in the back. And it's about an evangelist in Australia. And a little guy who just was faithful to one thing. But in that one thing, he had faith and he knew what he was doing. And so I want to play that. Are you ready, gentlemen? Will you? Let's go ahead and kick that off and then we'll go from there. Is that all right? This message is non-copyright. Duplication is encouraged. Thank you. A number of years ago, in a Baptist church in Crystal Palace in southern London, the Sunday morning service was closing and a stranger stood up at the back, raised his hand, he said, excuse me, pastor, can I share a little testimony? The pastor looked at his watch, he said, you've got three minutes. And this man proceeded, he said, I've just moved into this area, I used to live in another part of London, I came from Sydney in Australia. And just a few months back, I was visiting some relatives, and I was walking down George Street. You know where George Street is in Sydney? It runs from the business hub out to the rocks, the colonial area. And he said, a strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway, put a pamphlet in my hand, and he said, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I was astounded by those words. Nobody had ever told me that. I thanked him courteously, and all the way on British Airlines, back to Heathrow, this puzzled me. I called a friend who lived in this new area, where I'm living now, and thank God he was a Christian, he led me to Christ, and I'm a Christian and I want a fellowship here. And Baptists love testimonies like it. Everyone applauded and welcomed him into the fellowship. That Baptist pastor flew to Adelaide in Australia the next week. And ten days later, in the middle of a three-day series in a Baptist church in Adelaide, a woman came to him for counseling and he wanted to establish where she stood with Christ. And she said, I used to live in Sydney. And just a couple of months back, I was visiting friends in Sydney, doing some last-minute shopping down George Street, and a strange little white-haired man, elderly man, stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a pamphlet and said, Excuse me, ma'am, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? She said, I was disturbed by those words. When I got back to Adelaide, I knew this Baptist church was on the next block from me, and I sought out the pastor, and he led me to Christ. So, sir, I'm telling you that I am a Christian. Now, this London pastor was now very puzzled. Twice, within a fortnight, he'd heard the same testimony. He then flew to preach in the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Perth. And when his teaching series was over, the senior elder of that church took him out for a meal. And he said, mate, how'd you get saved? He said, I grew up in this church from the age of 15 through Boys Brigade. Never made a commitment to Jesus, just hopped on the bandwagon like everybody else. And because of my business ability, grew up to a place of influence. I was on a business outing in Sydney just three years ago. And an obnoxious, spiteful little man stepped out of a stop shop doorway, offered me a religious pamphlet, cheap junk, and accosted me with a question. Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I tried to tell him I was a Baptist elder. He wouldn't listen to me. He said, I was seething with anger all the way home on Qantas to, to Perth. He said, I told my pastor, thinking he would sympathize with me, and my pastor agreed. He had been disturbed for years, knowing that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and he was right. And my pastor led me to Jesus just three years ago. Now, this London preacher flew back to the UK 
and was speaking at the Keswick Convention in the Lake District. And he threw in these three testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, four elderly pastors came up and said, we got saved between 25 and 35 years ago, respectively, through that little man on George Street giving us a tract and asking us that question. He then flew the following week to a similar Keswick Convention in the Caribbean, to missionaries. And he shared the testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, three missionaries came up and said, we got saved between 15 and 25 years ago, respectively, through that little man's testimony and asking us that same question on George Street in Sydney. Coming back to London, he stopped outside Atlanta, Georgia, to speak at a naval chaplain's convention. And when his three days of revving these naval chaplains up, over a thousand of them, in soul winning, the chaplain general took him out for a meal. And he said, how did you become a Christian? He said, well, it was miraculous. I was a rating on a United States battleship, and I lived a reprobate life. We were doing exercises in the South Pacific, and we docked in Sydney Harbour for replenishments. We hit King's Cross with a vengeance. I got blind drunk. I got on the wrong bus, got off in George Street. And <laughs> as I got off the bus, I thought it was a ghost. This elderly, white-haired man jumped in front of me, pushed a pamphlet in my hand, and said, Sailor, are you saved? If you die tonight, you're going to heaven. He said, the fear of God hit me immediately. I was shocked sober and ran back to the battleship, sought out the chaplain. The chaplain led me to Christ. And I soon began to prepare for the ministry under his guidance. And here I am in charge of over a thousand chaplains and we're bent on soul winning today. That London preacher, six months later, flew to do a convention for 5,000 Indian missionaries in a remote corner of northeastern India. And at the end... The Indian missionary in charge, a humble little man, took him home to his humble little home for a simple meal. And he said, how did you, as a Hindu, come to Christ? He said, I was in a very privileged position. I worked for the Indian diplomatic mission. And I traveled the world. And I am so glad for the forgiveness of Christ and his blood covering my sin, because I'd be very embarrassed if people found out what I got into. He said, one bout of diplomatic service took me to Sydney. And I was doing some last-minute shopping laden with parcels of toys and clothing for my children, walking down George Street. And this courteous little white-haired man stepped out in front of me, offered me a pamphlet, and said, Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I thanked him very much, but this disturbed me. I got back to my town, I sought out the Hindu priest, and he couldn't help me. But he gave me some advice. He said, just to satisfy your curious mind, nothing else, go and talk to the missionary in the mission house at the end of the road. And that was fatal advice. He said, because that day the missionary led me to Christ, I quit Hinduism immediately, and then began to study for the ministry. I left the diplomatic service, and here I am, by God's grace, in charge of all these missionaries, and we are winning hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. Well, eight months later... That Crystal Palace Baptist pastor was ministering in Sydney, in Gymea, southern suburb of Sydney. And he said to the Baptist minister, do you know a little man, an elderly little man, who witnesses and hands out tracts on George Street? And he said, I do. His name is Mr. Genor, G-E-N-O-R. But I don't think he does it anymore. He's too frail and elderly. The man said, I want to meet him. Two nights later, they went around to this little apartment, knocked on the door, and this tiny, frail little man opened the door. He sat them down, made them some tea, and he was so frail he was slopping tea into the saucer as he shook. And as he sat with them, this London preacher told him all these accounts over the previous three years. This little man sat with tears running down his cheeks. He said, my story goes like this. He said, I was a rating on an Australian warship, and I lived a reprobate life, and in a crisis, I really hit the wall, 
And one of my colleagues, whom I gave literal hell, was there to help me. He led me to Jesus, and the change in my life was night to day in 24 hours. And I was so grateful to God, I promised God that I would share Jesus in a simple witness with at least 10 people a day. As God gave me strength. Sometimes I was ill, I couldn't do it, but I made up for it for other times. I wasn't paranoid about it, but I have done this for over 40 years. And in my retirement years, the best place was on George Street. There were hundreds of people. I got lots of rejections, but a lot of people courteously took the tracks. And he said, in 40 years of doing this, I've never heard of one single person coming to Jesus until today. Do you know, I would say that has to be commitment. That has to be just sheer gratitude and love for Jesus to do that, not hearing of any results. Margarita did a little count. That's 146,100 people. That simple little non-charismatic Baptist man influenced somehow to Jesus. And I believe what God was showing that Baptist minister was the tip of the tip of the tip of the tip of this iceberg. Goodness knows how many more had been arrested for Christ and were doing huge jobs out in the mission field. Mr. Genor died two weeks later. And can you imagine the reward he went home to in heaven? I doubt if his face would ever have appeared on Charisma magazine. I doubt if there would ever have been a write-up with a photograph in Billy Graham's Decision magazine, as beautiful as those magazines are. Nobody except a little group of Baptists in southern Sydney knew about Mr. Genor, but I'll tell you his name was famous in heaven. Heaven knew Mr. Genor, and you can imagine the welcome and the red carpet and the fanfare he went home to when he arrived in glory. Amen. Amen. You know, I, uh, the as I do what I do, the people that I bump into around the world that will tell me, I got saved because of a, a tract, a leaflet. And, um, you know, when I started this ministry, it was not easy. In fact, just, just, just like last week, I talked to an old friend and he said, you're still giving out tracts. And the way he said it, I just, I, I thought... <sighs> he has no idea what I do. And, um, but uh, I got some scripture I want to read to you. Oh, you got your Bible? We got Bibles. This is Britain. It's in English. A lot of, lot, of, lot of British English people paid a high price to get the Bible to us so we could read it. Every plowboy is going to be able to read this. Amen. Romans chapter 8. We're going to read some scripture. Because I've already used up a lot of my time. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. I'll read some more. For the cre creation was made subject to the vanity that's in it, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected the same in hope. There was hope. Because the creation itself also also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And there's two concepts there, the sons of God and the children of God. It's really the same, but it's how it's used brings understanding and authority. When it's talking about the sons of God, it's talking about those 
with authority. It's what creation is hungering for. Everything that we know and see, when God created it, it was there for Adam. Adam didn't wear clothes like this. He wore fire and glory. The Father is fire. We're made in His image. Adam and Eve wore designer fire and glory. And when he walked through the garden, the animals knew the Son of God. The giraffes, the necks, real long, bowed. (laughs) Authority. Creation was for man. The earth was for man. And you know the end? God so loves you, He leaves heaven, the Father, and comes down here to be with us. Why? Because you're made from this planet. Everything about this has to do with you. You're quiet. I'm going to preach over here. (laughs) Creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of us. Yeah. A few weeks, few years ago, I was in London and it was raining on us on a crosswalk. And by the way, you know, you, you think about this. In the last 18 years of London crosswalk, it's almost three quarters of a million of these little yellow smiles have gone to the ends of the earth. On the backs of Bible school students. And church members. Isn't that amazing? You don't even know what your heritage is. Do you know that? It's here. Probably the Lord said, kingdom faith needs more seed in the earth. I'm sending an American. (laughs) From a cornfield in Ohio. A farm boy. Go to some people you don't know exist. Okay. We were in London. It was raining. I don't like rain on crosswalks. The tracks get gooey. We went over to Westminster Chapel, our central hall, and got in there, got a coffee. Still didn't let up. I thought, Lord, it doesn't, my crosswalks don't work like this. And they're your crosswalks. You're going to do something. So it looked like it led up, and we went out, started walking, and the rain came back. I give up. I said, everybody, get around the cross. Let's pray. We start to pray. (laughs) You ever been in a rainstorm? It's just water's just going down your face and your head's going, oh, this is like. We start to pray. And then there was a point where the prayer turned to authority. And I simply, out of the disgust of the whole thing, looked up and said, stop. And all of a sudden, a wind came. And all of that blew off. And it was clear, warm. And as soon as we looked, a whole delegation from Ghana came through us and the tracks are going everywhere (laughs) to these people from Ghana. 
What was that? We just got a touch of what it means to be a child, a son of God in connection with the throne. Something was needed. Something came down. Just next to us was parliament where all those wonderful men are making laws. What law can we make today? Maybe you have enough. In America, it's like, hey, we got enough laws. Don't, don't, don't overdo it, guys. Go play golf. <laughs> but just over there were all the men of this nation. But just a few feet down, there were children of God manifesting. Bam. The French guy, Leon, he says, Eric, I went to Bible school because I've never seen a man speak to the weather. <laughs> I wanted to say, yeah, I haven't either, other than the Bible. But you have to act like a leader. Inside you're going. Creation is waiting for us. Now, don't, we're going to go further, okay? We're just, I got to build this, okay? Got to build it. I want you to go to Matthew. Matthew, say sons of God. Matthew, you don't have to say Matthew, just go to Matthew. Find Matthew first, and then I'll tell you in Matthew where to go. See, I underline things, and I forget where they are. You do it too. Matthew 21, verse 28. Matthew 21, 28. I hear pages turning. Matthew 21, 28. Now listen to this. What do you think? Jesus is talking. A certain man had two sons. They were the sons of the farmer. Easy. Certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. So we know that the father has fields, right? This father has fields. The wealth of the farmhouse is in the fields. He comes, visitation, to a son. He reveals himself. And he says, I have a field and you need to go work in it. By the way, it's your inheritance. And by the way, all the prosperity that you need is out there. So it would do you good to go work in it. Amen? (laughs) Get off the couch. (laughs) Turn the TV off. He answered, he said, I will not. But afterwards, Something changed in him. Now, this is the part I am praying. Something changes in you. So then he came to the second. Likewise, he said, he said the same son, second son. um, I have a field. I need you to go work in it. And the son said, of course, I'll go. He was charismatic. He was shaking under the visitation. Father walks in. He starts to... Tears are coming down the eyes. He's on the floor. And then the father says, are you finished? I need you to do something for me. Sure. Thank you. The father walks out. The son goes right back to the couch, turns on the TV and doesn't go. Is that possible? 100% it's possible because it's in the Bible. 
I, um, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, you know, and I grew up on a farm. And um, I, I know what it's like to go to church. I know what it's like to have the fire-breathing sermons. And um, those are wonderful and they're needed. But you got to listen to me this morning. Got to listen. Creation is waiting for something more than just this. I remember when I met with the Lord at age 18. I walked into my bedroom. I was all alone. And I knew that I wasn't right with God. There's this thing about a divine God moment where you know you have sin, but you know he loves you. Those two worlds collide as the life of God begins to touch the death in you. He has no death. He's life. I began to weep and cry. And, and, and this is a kid that grew up in church. And I knew my life wasn't right. I knelt down and, and I simply prayed. I said, Lord, I know you're real, but my life hasn't been real. If you can forgive me, I'll give you my life. Now, listen, I give you my life. I give you my life. And I'll never take it back. I grabbed a Bible. I wasn't reading it. I just simply opened it. And Second Chronicles 7, 14, it was right there. It was like light. It was shooting into my eyes. It said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then the word then came out. Then. I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin and I'll heal your land. I closed the Bible. I knew that somehow, some way, God had heard me and I felt clean on the inside. I stood up, wa- washed the tears off my eyes and uh, thought, I got to figure out what it means to give my life. And I think the first is start reading the Bible a lot. Two weeks later, I get up. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm, I'm working on the farm. I'm in the north field on a big John Deere tractor. And uh, I have an ulcer or something in my stomach. I'm throwing up. I hadn't been able to eat right, and there was a lot of pain. I sat up on that tractor, and I put it in neutral, and I simply cried out. I said, Jesus, I gave you my life two weeks ago. If you don't heal me, I feel like I'm going to die, meaning I'll never be able to serve you. It wasn't about, hey, make me feel better. This was, if you don't do this, How am I going to do what you want me to do? All of a sudden, power came down. Joy like I had never experienced, and I began to laugh. There was no preacher in the field, and there was no gospel choir. It was me, John Deere, and the land. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and he can walk into any place he wants. It's his. After a few minutes, that power lifted off of me and I was completely healed, completely whole. And he said, if you will serve me, I'll take care of you all the days of your life and the power of the devil is broken over your life. 
I was free. I knew I got to figure out what this life that I'm giving him. I'm not here to do the Christian thing. I gave a life. Maybe I don't do it always so well. That's what repentance is. Lord, I goofed up. That guy that cut me off on the highway. Sorry. Sometimes we do. But thank God, he's merciful, he's a friend, and he said, look at my blood, take it, and don't think about it again. Don't do it again, don't think about it again. Be clean. Thank you, Lord, you're, you're really kind. Yes, I am. Thank you. You know, he's kinder than you think. Sometimes I just go to bed at night, and I just simply say, Lord, you're just so kind to me. Thank you. I don't know you the way I want to. And he knows that. He knows that. But you know what? He is right there to keep showing himself to you. He's a friend. He really is. I don't care if you make two cups of tea and put one on the other end of the table and have a talk. He probably won't drink it, but he'll appreciate it. Some of you haven't even smiled yet. <laughs> I can't work. I'm like, <laughs> I ended up going to university the next year, Oral Roberts University. Almost within the first week of the university, they had, they had rush night where all the campus ministries were out there with tables and fire-hungry students were grabbing at the new kids, trying to get them involved. And I just knew I've got to do something with my life to show Jesus I do belong to you. Now, I didn't grow up in a church like that. I grew up in a church where pretty much you could just come in and leave. And then the next week come in and when the, the, the pastor goes, anyone with an unspoken request, everyone went like that. Nobody knew what it was. The Lord says, Lord, touch all those requests. You know, it, it wasn't a, a mindset. Now I'm changing What does it mean to give my life? Street evangelism, Friday night. I felt the quakes come on me. But something was pulling me that way. I thought, I'm naturally shy. I don't know. I signed up. They said, we'll see you Friday night. Okay. But my friends are all going out on dates. You know, we have to get married at university. We have, you know, we, I didn't care about dating. I wasn't even thinking about that realm. Jesus, I give you my life. If I'm going to have a wife, you got to bring her right there so we're walking together. Otherwise, I don't want to waste my time. Friday night, I show up. A big guy named Kevin. Oh, Brother Eric, I've been a grad student for 50 years. <laughs> he was. I, seriously, I'm not joking. He'd been in, he's like the kind that doesn't leave. <laughs> I think there's a very wealthy relative that says if he's there, he's safe. Just keep giving him money. Let him keep going through the courses. <laughs> it's true. It happens. 
he greets everybody. I, I look, you know, I was, an, I was an athlete back then. I was di- looked a little different, less of this. And uh, how many of you, your wives, remind you what you used to look like? When we were dating. Uh, but I've had three children. Doesn't work. He says, we're going out to a small town where there's a strip where everybody has their hot rods and everything and all the young high school kids get out and they, they, their mom's out there so they're smoking and drinking. We're going to go witness to them. Okay, because God, I gave you my life. You're going to have to take care of it. We get out there. Everybody gets out and Kevin, this guy, he starts sending all everybody off. You see those young teenage girls over there? Go over there and witness to them. You see those young teenage You guys, go over there. Brother Eric, you see the hell's angels over there? You're going with me. Now, I don't know if there's hell's angels, but there were big guys on Harleys drinking beer, scoping the things out. I said, what? What about the girls? They're like junior high. He takes me over. This is true. I, listen, I'll never tell you untrue stories. They're just, these are true stories. He takes me over there, and he introduces me to them. He says, Brother Eric, share your testimony. Now, you know, I'm watching, making sure my trousers stay dry. Are you kidding me? I am a farm boy from Ohio. And I, I don't even know what I said. That can happen. You don't even know what you said. You're just happy that you're out of it. <laughs> that, that night, you're in your bed in your dorm room, alive. <laughs> they just sat there and looked at me like this. Now, that's how I began. Kevin, motorcycle gang. But this is what I want you to hear. I gave my life, gave my life. And I began to get into this, this witnessing thing. And what I'm trying to say to you is simply this. I entered a field in the spirit. When we were in Burgess Hill yesterday, those of you from Burgess, you know it. You know all the streets. I could say, yeah, we're parked over here by the Chinese restaurant. You know it's the emperor. You know right where it is. You know the town. English town. But when we walked in there, it was sons. And it changed in the spirit because it's a field. My operation is to initiate into thousands of people. And you can just sense the presence, the presence. We start plowing up, plowing down. Walked up to a guy with headphones, young man. I said, hey, are you the one to put the online order in for me to come here? 
He went. And then I witnessed him. We talked to him. And we just talked with people. If you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? You know what I find is simply this, because I'm running totally out of time. Is a tract, a little leaflet, empowers you to open conversation. It empowers you, if you're afraid, to leave something with someone and not engage if you're too afraid to do it or don't have time to do it. A lot of times I don't have time, but I can leave something with someone. The point I'm getting to is you may be a son of God, but you may never have entered the fields. And it begins with giving your life. My wife and I, when we got married, we said we are going to live like sent people. It's a mindset of faith in the spirit. We are sent. We're not going to have to be sent. We are sent. So we're always ready when orders come in, adjust, move this way, go this way, do that. Don't get heavily laden with life where you can't budge. Because our harvest and our wealth and our prosperity is in the fields. They belong to you, but not all of the children of God ever enter into them. You can enter in. It starts by desire. It starts by a change of mindset, how you live. It's change of mindset that when you see people, you have to think, where are they going? Where are they spending eternity? When I was in, in that town yesterday, I'm walking and I'm thinking about the man, the rich man in hell who was praying that God send someone to my unsaved loved ones lest they come here. I say, God, here I am. Help me to be the answer to the cries in hell. Because the people in hell, they know something on a level you don't. And they're not leaving that place. You and I, our highest calling, go into all the world. Tell them what I've done. We have so many different high callings in church. And they're good, not docking it. But the highest calling is when you're with someone and you simply say, has anyone ever told you Jesus loves you? And you believe it. Do you believe it? Can you tell someone that and actually believe it? Because they're going to look at you and go, do you believe it? I don't know. I'm going to tell you, but I don't know. See, we got to get that out of the church. We got to get it. When we really talk to them, we're actually pulling them. Pulling them out of the road of life. Marching. The nation's marching. 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 All the way to an end where there's a cutoff and they drop into fire. You and I are pulling them out of line. Don't go. 
don't go there. You don't have to go. You don't have to go. You don't have to go. Because when they get to the end, they start to push back because they know something's different. But the weight of life pushes them off. Let's stand to our feet. I want to pray for you. I'm glad kids are coming in because they can be prayed for too, huh? I can't say this is the greatest sermon I've ever preached, but it's passioned. I worked with a team of students this week, and you tell them, I put the pressure on them. I said, witness to me right now. Tell me. And they go, ah. I said, you've got to learn to speak. Come on, witness to me. So we began to go ABC. I want you to try to do this. Accomplish this. Accomplish this. Listen, church body, listen to me. You've got to learn how to begin to speak to people. How to open up. Jesus loves you. I got a smile for you. Don't call it a leaflet. That's old words. That's boring. That's bread and water. I got a smile for you. I got joy for you. I got contagious for you. Jesus loves you. Has anyone ever told you, asked you, if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? Where would you spend eternity? You can do this, but you have to make a change. Are you a Christian or have you given your life so that you really are a Christian? Because it's the greatest joy. What I'm talking about is joyful. It's joyful when you talk to people, pray with people, love people. It's joyful because Jesus gets involved. He's right there. This is my last story. I'm going to tell it in 20 seconds. Years ago, I was at the Crawley Post Office. I was in the queue. I was enjoying the presence of God. I had just come out of my prayer closet and I could just feel the swirlings of God and I was just having fun, ready to pay a bill. <laughs> and two men walked in behind me. They, I could feel, not that I wanted to, but when you're in the glory of God, you're sensitive to other things. And I'm like, ooh, what are they into? So you're kind of stepping away praying a little bit, trying to enjoy the Lord. But right behind you, there's two people. And I knew I was supposed to witness to them. But I didn't. Got up to the window, and I'm paying the bill, but my heart is, I just want to enjoy your presence, Lord. (laughs) They went to another window. I'm paying the bill, and then they disappeared. I don't know where they went. Now I'm burdened. I've totally blew this. The Lord was telling me, I didn't want to leave my zone. I wanted to be in my life with the Lord. But the Lord wants you to go into all the world. you got to leave your life. Enjoy sometimes, but be ready to leave. That's the problem. We live in our own life and enjoy the Lord in it. And the Lord's like, there's a lot more of me outside of your life. So I ran out one of the other side doors. I'm looking for these guys. Now I'm fearing for my own life because I know I didn't listen. I'm looking, looking, look. And there they are sitting in a car right there. I went down there. He rolled the, put the window down. I said, I, I, I'm, hello. I'm, um, I just wanted to tell you that this is unique. And um, 
that Jesus really loves you. Has anyone ever told you that, you know? They weren't interested. I didn't get very far. So I'm off the hook, you know? I tried. I went back. Beth is waiting in our car. Like, I get in the car. She's backing out. And I said, stop! Didn't do it right. I said, just wait. I got out, ran back. They were still there. Here's this guy. And I said, Jesus told me to tell you that if you die without him, it's not his will. That changed the whole scene. I knew this man didn't have much time. And what I began to dump down into that car, they sat and listened. The end result, I went back, got in the car, said, we can go home now. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, you are the last Christian I could trust to speak to him. Do you think I was excited about that? No, I thought, how many times do I blow it? Now, now, let me just say this. How do you blow it? By not living in a position of just wanting to speak to people. You know, the Lord's not heavy-handed. He's free. You want to do it? You do it. If you don't want to do it, you don't do it. He told you to do it, but you're in charge. Of course, you will stand before him. You will stand. And you're going to look into his eyes, and he'll say, I asked you to tell the world about me. Wasn't I wonderful enough to do that? It's all based on love. It's all based on love. Didn't you love me enough to just speak to people? How many times we get in these and we're like this. Ah, and we get outside with the world. We're like. Why can't we live the same? Ah, peculiar in here, but vibrant and full of life out there that we can talk to people. <coughs> Amen. That's crazy Christianity. <sighs> and then we're like. Wait, what? That's not what Jesus wants. He wants, he wants such a relationship with you that when you're with lost people, you're like, how you doing? I don't know you. And this is crazy. But Jesus loves you. Anyone ever told you that? And all of a sudden, the ice is broke. And now conversation can go on. Amen? Yeah. And all this, you know what Jesus loves about that? Jesus is going, I can feel that you love me when you do that, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I do. When I talk to this person, it's because I really love you. He says, when you do that, I'm doing more in their heart than you can see. Because you love me. That's the only reason I talk to people. Because you want to convey, I have a relationship with people, with God, with Jesus. And they go, I can see that in your eyes. Oh, wonderful. You got to see what's in my heart. Amen? Let's pray. Just raise your hands. You've been very kind to let me go that, this long. But I want to pray for you. I want you to think about what's been said. You give your life. You give it. So the world can taste you. Experience you. Father, touch my friends. Lord, I've done the best I know to do. 
but I know you're able to do far more. I pray that in this room, this church, there would be a paradigm shift. It's so simple, Lord. I I know it's so simple. It's just about speaking. That's all. Not some big major move of God. It's just about talking to people. Learning how to talk concisely, gently, but boldly. And Lord, that will create such a difference in this area. Because this year is different year. And Lord, we want this year. We want at the end of this year, go all the people that were witness to and this, that and the other. And Father, bless my friends, bless the leadership. I love them. Protect them. Father, we thank you for what you did in the villages of England, the towns, the cities. Father, we thank you for the 5,000 people that received information, saw the cross. Father, we thank you for your blessing upon this place. Father, thank you for bringing the finances into this place. That as they make the adjustments and move in the spirit of God. Father, we thank you that it digs out and all of a sudden finances begin to flow. Flow in a great way in order to propel the preaching. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know, sometimes God speaks to us to shake us. And that was one of those words. You know, something that Eric said in the week, several different conversations we've had going out and about and all the the stuff, was so often as Christians, we we live like this. And and when we went out, uh, you know, to to talk to people, he said something the last Saturday, a week ago, to all the team that were there in Hayward Teeth. He said, right, when we go today, you've got tracks, we've got the cross, there's us and there's the Holy Spirit. And we can either go out like this and kind of hopefully, if you don't mind, can I kind of have a chat and, and all of that? Or we can go out and, and actually engage with people in a whole other way with boldness, with confidence and say, hey, can I give you a smile today and, and just begin to engage with people and, and go from our world into their world? If I'm honest, everything in my flesh was like, I hate this. This morning, this is, and, and, and you know, because it, you know, Everything in your comfort zone is like, <laughs> right, thank you, Jesus. We're going to have a great time, and all of that. But then you get into a flow. You'll never get into a flow of something if you don't start. And if you just do it once, there's no flow. But the more you do something, the more of a flow you get into. And as that morning went on, and we started engaging with more people, and I'm, I'm sure this testimony would be, uh, you know, with the students and other guys from the, the, the church who were there, and, and during the week, the more we began to engage and talk and, and give out tracks and just engage, the more there was a flow. And actually, I moved from the be- the first half an hour that was gritted teeth, you know, which he, you know, didn't see. And also several people telling me to off a few times at the beginning, which Eric said, I never get this. I never get this. But when I'm with you in the first half an hour, we've had several people tell us to off, you know. He said, what is it about you? And I'm like, I, I, I well, you know. Um, it was funny, wasn't it? Wasn't it? That's what was happening. He said, "I never get people cursing me with with you." You know, this is like, and but then there was a point for about an hour where I think the thing was really flowing right in the centre, where there was just a joy in me, and every I was just like engaging with people, talking with people, this and that and the other, and it was like, well, there's a flow going. 
There's a flow going. There's a flow going. And that's what God wants us to move in as a church. Not just to do something. This isn't, this isn't like put our evangelistic hat on. This is a lifestyle of being sent. And, and there's a flow in that. You know, we like to get into a flow of worship, don't we? We worship and we worship a lot. Therefore, there's a flow in worship. We pray, so there's a flow in prayer. But I believe God wants to ignite something more in us. It's happening because we're seeing more people coming to the Lord and, and through Alpha and other things that we're doing. But there's a flow that God wants us to, to step into more and more. And that happens as we respond to the Lord. And as we do that, then there's a greater flow that is released. So I just want to pray this. Okay, just close your eyes. Father, I thank you that when we respond to your word, you release the grace to accomplish your word. And so, Father, I just thank you as we respond to you, there's a flow of your spirit that's going to be released in a greater way and that flow of boldness, that flow of joy that comes with sharing our faith, reaching out to people. Father, I thank you for the flow of your spirit being released amongst us in all the congregations in the area as we reach out. That flow to share our faith, to be a witness, to lead people to Christ, to see people come out of darkness into light. Father, we thank you and we praise your mighty name. Now, just wherever you are, just say to the Lord, Father, I want that flow. I want to live in that flow. But I know I've got to step into it to see it. I've got to step into it to see it. So, Father, I thank you as I step into that and make a decision. I'm going to go to my neighbour. I'm going to go to my friend. I'm going to talk to my work colleagues. It might freak you out, but you'll step into a flow. There'll be a release of God. And the release only happens when we take a step. So I want to encourage you, take a step, take a step, take a step, take a step. And the flow will begin to happen in all of our lives in a fresh way. It might already be there. Take another step then and see a greater release of that flow of what he wants to do to see lives. Remember, this year is a year of harvest. It's a year of souls being saved. We're praying for people every day on our prayer cards. We're reaching out to people every week. We're praying 24-7, the 1st of the 7th of this month. There's prayer meetings tomorrow at 6 a.m. at 1 o'clock. You can sign up on the website, that 24-hour prayer, the first seven days of every month. Why? Because we're going for harvest. Why? we're going for souls that's why we're here ultimately you see lives transformed and those lives give glory to the lord father we thank you for eric being here we thank you for him is protect protect him as he flies back bless him and his family as they live as they as he said live sent and father as we join together to reach this 25 mile radius we thank you for the thousands of people that are going to be saved in these coming months and years. We praise your awesome name. Amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise, shall we? Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com.